0: Welcome to Evangelistic Center Church. Um, You know, most people, I think most people that would call themselves Christian, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I think most people that would call themselves Christian have has an idea of what it means to have faith. Most people that have spent any time in church at all that that would say that I have a relationship with the Lord, if I said, "Well, Well, do you have faith? And we would say, Yes, I have faith. And if I was to ask the question, okay. Tell me what it means to have faith or define faith for me. I think people would say, well, it means that uh, we are to believe. Maybe others would use words like trust. Well, faith means trust. We're to believe or we are to trust. Maybe you would even use words like um, it means to have dependence upon God or to rely on God. I think all of those are fair assessments of faith, wouldn't you? I think all of those are true about faith. And we would use any of those descriptors about faith uh, if we were asked, does God answer prayer? If I ask you, does God answer prayer, what would you say? You would say he does. And, and if I ask you why, uh, or, or how do you know, or how would I assure that my prayers or that your prayers will be answered? So if I said, well, how, how church will my prayer be answered? Or maybe if your neighbor said, Well, I'm praying, well, how can I assure that my prayer would be answered? I'm guessing that you would answer this. You would say, well, we're just going to trust God that he'll answer your prayer. We're going to have faith that God is answering your petition of him. Is that fair to say? And and then maybe we would even add something like this. Maybe we would say, well, faith means uh, or answered prayer means that we pray and we don't doubt. We pray and we don't doubt. And that's what James says, right? We read in the book of James, that's, that's what he says. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask and do not doubt. For a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Is that scriptural? Am, am I still preaching the word so far? Good. That's what James says. So we would say, well, pray and believe and trust and rely on God and don't doubt. And maybe we would even go so far as to say it like this. Well, then we pray and we don't doubt even for a second that God will answer your prayer and he will. Is that fair? I just want to make sure I'm getting you all in the canoe with me today. I want all of us to be rowing the same direction this morning. I think there are truth in each one of those descriptions of faith. Now, I will tell you, I think there are some further qualifiers there. Those are going to be outside of the scope of my message today. But I I want to take this idea of faith, and I want to take it a little further than what typically we hear folks preach, including me. I want to move beyond what it means to have faith for things, and this is key to today's message. I want to move beyond what it means to have faith for things, and I want to focus on who it is that we have faith in. I want to talk about who we have faith in and why who we have faith in matters and why he can be trusted. I think I would like to say it like this. I want to talk about who I have faith in instead of what I have faith for. Because what we have faith in, as opposed to what we're having faith for, will prove to be important. It will become critical, and the distinction between faith for and faith in is important. I'm going to show you why today. So, typically when we talk about faith, we talk about it from the perspective of having faith for something specific. Someone is sick, so we pray for them, right? I, I don't know what everybody prayed for today when I had you raise your hand, but I will just venture that there are probably some folks that aren't feeling well, and we prayed for them to be well. Somebody's sick, and so we pray faith for them, and then we believe that God hears our prayer, and that if He hears our prayer, then He answers our prayer, and He will honor our faith, and He will heal whoever we prayed for. That He'll heal whoever we prayed for. Maybe. Maybe if we need guidance or we need peace about something, then we pray that we receive guidance, that we would receive peace, and we have faith that God has heard that prayer and that he will answer that prayer for peace and for comfort and for guidance in our life. Amen? So we pray, we believe, we expect, and we receive. Does that sound sound like, am I describing faith pretty well so far today? Are y'all awake? We're still talking about faith today. And we've seen this at work so many times. And, and I wrote down in my notes that just in this church, we have many people who have a testimony of God healing them. And Pete's going to, I'm not going to have you do this today, Pete. I've got a lot on my, on my, my schedule. But Pete, probably next Sunday, we're going to have that Pete. You uh, know, Chris told me to be careful giving Pete the mic. But we're going to give Pete, she's, see, she's shaking her head. No, we're going to give Pete the mic next week. But let me just say this. It wasn't just a couple months ago that doctors told Pete they may have to amputate his leg and today he's walking around on it. So we, yeah, you can clap for that. We pray, we believe, we receive and we've seen it work in this church. Uh, And and there's a lot of testimony of that in this church. Let me give you another example. And I I told the Sunday school class today, I can't remember if I've told you this story or not. So if I have, you just have to chalk it up to to old age. But uh, when Rusty was an infant, Uh, before she could even walk. I mean, she was really, really small. Uh, She developed some kind of condition, and and medicine was not the same as it is today. You know, my wife just had a birthday, and I'm not going to say how old she is, but hopefully it finally puts to rest this idea that I married somebody 20 years younger than me, because I did not. And I'm not going to say how old she is, but I'm 52, and she's two years younger than that. (laughs) Oh, don't boo at that. Don't boo at that. Rusty was really ill, and and it, the illness got to the point that she rejected all food and all clothing, her body would. They couldn't even dress her because when they would dress her, she would become violently ill. This is as an infant and throwing up, and and they the only thing they found was they could wrap her in pure wool. So she, as an infant, she was wrapped in wool blankets, and the only thing that she could eat was lamb's meat as an infant. She had... Uh, a horrible reaction to everything else. And the doctors threw their hands up and says, there's nothing we can do for her. And so her daddy, um, he, the story's long. I'm not going to make it long, but her dad, he, when he gives the testimony, he says, I was running from the Lord. I knew that God wanted me to do something and I was running from him. And, and this is his words, not my own. He said, so I took my baby up to that altar and I placed her on the altar and I said, Lord, if you will heal her, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And from that day till this, Rusty has been healthy. And her dad became a pastor. Now, I'm not advocating making deals with God, but in that case, I'm not advocating. Don't put fleeces out. I'm not advocating that. So we've seen that. Her situation was dire. They needed a miracle, and they got a miracle. It's been very recently in this church that that we've seen our brother Scott. And, and I saw him in the hospital, and I'm not sure he knows I was even there. And his prognosis was dim. It was not good. It was a difficult time. And now you see him greeting you every Sunday when you walk into the church house. And I'm using these, I'm reminding you of these because this is a message about faith and we see faith at work. And sometimes maybe we don't take time to acknowledge that we've seen God at work. But just even in this building, we've seen God at work to heal people. I had Miss Millie tell you her story last week. It wasn't just a few months ago that she had tumors uh, on her liver and in her neck and I think maybe some in her lungs and, and she had had enough and she said, I'm not taking any of that chemo because it makes me too sick and I'm just going to trust God and, and if I die, I die and if, and if he makes me well, he makes me well. So she goes to the doctor a uh, week before last and he says, they say, well, all the tumors in your neck are gone, all the ones in your, your, your lungs are gone and the one on your liver is so small we can barely measure it. And then they said, so do you want to take some medicine? And Millie, I hope I'm not getting the story right. She laughed and she said, why? Things are going pretty good. About a year ago, Alex's mom, my son-in-law Alex, he received, his mother received a crushing report that she had pancreatic cancer. And I don't have to tell you what that diagnosis means, right? It's a death sentence. And today she is cancer-free. A year later, cancer-free completely cancer free i'll give you one more example for years i came to evangelistic center in may of 2016 and we have as a leadership group and as a congregation we have prayed for revival and church growth at evangelistic center and this the church is growing and it has nothing to do with us but it has all to do with god answering our petition because we believe, and when we pray, we believe. And those are prayers that are offered in faith. And when those prayers are offered in faith, I call those having faith for God's provision and God's healing, God's direction and God's deliverance. We have faith for that. Now, I want to contrast having faith for with having faith in. And I don't want to get really cutesy with this, because sometimes preachers, we can try to over- complicate straightforward things so i don't want to make this too cutesy because it's obvious that that we have to have faith in god if we're going to have faith for things from god it only makes sense right but the way that we think about our faith in god will impact how we have faith for the answer to our prayer people have faith in a lot of things right i mean we have faith for um we have faith in the members of our families You know, I have faith in Rusty that she's going to um, do certain things in her home as my wife. And, you know, we're going to eat together and we're going to work together. And and I have faith in my parents and in my sister's family. And we have faith in our families. We have faith that they will love us and they will trust us. They'll be there in good and bad times, right? I mean, we all have that if you're blessed with a good family. We even have faith to a point in our employers, right? I mean, we have faith that this employer will honor their commitment to pay us if we go to work. Anybody want to go to work and have the boss say he can't pay you? How long would you stay working there? You've already quit, right? You're on the phone right now. We even have faith that our vehicle will start in the morning so we can take our kids to school and we can drive to work. Right? I mean, we have faith in that. Is that fair? And those are all normal and perfectly acceptable things to trust in. And even though mostly they're reliable, guess what? Families and jobs and cars will still fail us on occasion they will as great as our family is and as trustworthy as our employers may be and even if we have a new car all of these things are subject to betray our faith in them sometimes even new cars don't start sometimes they don't start sometimes family members Parents, children, sisters, brothers, cousins, uncles, neighbors, sometimes they disappoint us. Is that true? Sometimes, even on the best of jobs, people get laid off. Sometimes, right? People and things fail, and people fail us, but God never does. So this is the idea that I want to bring to you today, that everything that we trust in except for our trust in God, will fail and will disappoint us. It will. But, church, when you've placed your faith in God, he will never betray that trust. He never will. Because God is worthy of our faith in him, because God always keeps his word, and he will always keep his promises to you. He will. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit, and I'm going to use Abraham as, as an example of what it means to have faith in God. Now, Abraham was a lot of things, but the Bible deliberately speaks of Abraham one way in particular, most often when we think about Abraham, and probably as, I, as I'm talking about him, you're already thinking of the verse. The Bible, the Bible says a lot of things about Abraham uh, as being a man of faith, and he had such great faith in God that the Bible uses Abraham's story to illustrate what it means to genuinely have faith in God. If you go back with me to Genesis 15, and I'm not going to read anything there, but if you look in Genesis 15, we read some of the most well-known words in all of Scripture. And I could ask you what it says there without even looking, and I know you could get it. We read that it says that Abraham believed the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. That's what the Bible, that's how the Bible describes Abraham. By the way, wouldn't it be cool if God talked about us that way? It's repeated by Paul in Romans 4 and it's repeated by Paul in Galatians 3 that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And any time that we speak of salvation in the Old Testament, any time that we talk about what it means to be saved in the Old Testament or to have faith in the Old Testament and we want to define faith in the Old Testament, we always use Abraham and his belief in God because there's not a better model of faith than Abraham in the Old Testament we've heard it said so much of Abraham that I think, we, I think it's lost its punch. And you may be even saying that kind of right now. Yes, Noah, we know Abraham believed God. Of course, we know everybody preaches this all the time. Of course, Noah, we know that Abraham believed God. So what? So I'll ask you, so what? What did Abraham do? Shout it out. What did Abraham do? Yeah, he believed God. Y'all thought I was trying to trick you, didn't you? Y'all always think pastors are trying to fool you. I'm not, I'm not. What did he do? He believed God. He placed faith in God, and he placed faith in God's promises. All Abraham did was believe God. Now, let me ask you this. Did Abraham make any mistakes? Yeah, do we ever? That should have given a lot more amens there. Did Abraham make mistakes? Yes, he did. For starters, two times he lied about who Sarah was, called Sarah his sister because he was trying to save his own hide. And I can tell you, when they went to sleep that night, Mrs. Abraham was not happy about that. Her name is Sarah, but I can guarantee you, that night he was calling her Miss Abraham. He might have even said, yes, ma'am. How about this? When God promised a son, and when that promise was slow in manifesting, he and Sarah solicited a handmaiden named Hagar, and they had an Ishmael. And the reason he did that was what? He was a doubter abraham doubted abraham was a liar sometimes abraham was impatient at times abraham was fearful at times yet even with all of this negative baggage even with abraham's lying and his doubt and his fears and his unfaithfulness even with all of that negative baggage the bible says this of abraham he is righteous because he believed god He believed God, therefore he's righteous. Abraham ultimately trusted that God would keep every promise that he had made to him. God told Abraham, you're going to be blessed beyond your ability to comprehend. And Abraham simply said, okay God, if you say it, then I believe it. Abraham was going to be justified, not by what he did, but simply because Abraham chose to believe in God. And all that Abraham got was righteousness. All that Abraham got for his effort was God called him righteous. And I say, I say all he got facetiously. What he reaped from his belief in God was righteousness. Now, I'm gonna, if you want to turn with me, you can look at Genesis 12. Uh, I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. So I'm going to go back in time just a moment uh, to Genesis. And we're going to look exactly what God told Abraham so that you and I can see what it exactly is that Abraham believed. I want to know what Abraham believed. Now, in Genesis 12, God made a covenant with Abram. His name was Abram at that time. Uh, Everybody knows what a covenant is? In case you don't, that's a fancy way of saying a contract. God had made a covenant. He, He had created a contract with Abram. And Genesis 12 shows us what the covenant promises were that God made to Abraham. Now, listen to this. The Lord said to Abram, go from your land and your relatives and your father's house, go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. And with all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. Now, seven times in Genesis 12, 1 through 4, God says this to Abram. He says, I will. Seven times, God says, I will. And here's what he says, I will show you. And, And what he was going to show him was the land that he was supposed to enter into. So God says, I will show you where to go. And then he says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse them that curse you. I will bless all the people on earth through you. Abraham at this time was living in a place called Haran when God told him to go to Canaan. God wanted Abram to leave the place that he had grown up. He wanted to leave his relatives and his home, and God wanted him to go to a new place. And once Abram got there, God makes these fantastic promises that he would make Abraham. Now remember, at this time, Abraham had Abram had no children. And God says, you are going to be a great nation. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to bless everybody that blesses you. In other words, I'm going to treat folks good if they treat you good. Abraham, all the people on the earth will be blessed through you. Everyone. Now, we read these passages in in modern-day America. And we read this, and we just blow one by them because, well, it's Abraham. Yeah, we know how the story ends. But try to put yourself in Abraham's shoes. He had no children and God had just said, you will have descendants that will far outnumber the sands of the sea. You are going to be the reason that other people are blessed. It's going to come through you. Can you imagine God telling you to leave everything you know and to go to a place that you've never been and, and that if you do, he's going to do all of this for you? I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, they didn't have cell phones. Abram couldn't just text his dad. His dad's name was Tara. He couldn't text his dad and just ask him questions. I mean, they couldn't just hop on the family donkey and drive over and see the in-laws. Well, I guess you could hop on the family donkey, but you wouldn't go far, very fast. They didn't just hop on the family donkey and drive over. It wasn't like they were moving from Tecumseh to Dallas. They were going days and days and days journey away. Abram was leaving for good. And the reason he was leaving was because God told him to go. And he told him to go so that he could make him a great nation. And I'm telling you right now, I cannot fathom being a hundred years old and hearing that my 90-year-old wife and I were gonna have a son, and not only were we gonna have a son, but then we would be the ancestry of we would have an ancestry of multitudes. You know why that's crazy? Because 90-year-old people don't have kids. I'm 52. I'm 52. If I found out tomorrow I was getting a baby, I will pass right out. Sackcloth and ashes. Can I get an amen? Minor groan. Yeah, yeah. Grandbabies, I'm good with grandbabies. See, Abraham believed what I'm telling you that he believed. And he believed it because God is the one that made him that promise. So the lesson we learn from Abraham is that he takes God at his word and he was just crazy enough that he believed everything that God had told him would come to pass. He believed it. He was a liar, he was a doubter, he was a fake, he was a worrier, he was a lot of things that weren't godly. But mostly the Bible says he was righteous because he took God at his word. Now I'm going to keep going with this. And if I said, hey church, name someone in the Bible who exemplifies what it means to have faith, what would you say? And I know that's kind of a vague question because if you're named in Scripture, usually you've got faith. But let me give you a couple. Joseph was faithful even though he was sold into slavery and locked away in prison. Right? Y'all know the story of Joseph? Daniel was faithful. Even, he was faithful, so faithful that he continued to pray even after King Darius said, I'll throw you in the lions' Ed, if you don't stop that praying. Paul didn't lose his faith after snake bites, shipwrecks, scourges, stonings. And I could keep going. I could go for an hour with examples of heroes who exhibited great faith in the presence of difficulty. Women like Esther and Ruth and men like Noah and Enoch and Stephen and Peter and Moses. How about Rahab? I mean, these men and these women exhibited great faith not just for something, but they had a great faith in their God. They had a great faith in the one who had the power and the reputation for answering prayer and for honoring faith. They had their faith in the one with the power to do everything that he promised he would do. Now that's, I, I, that's why I'm making this distinction. Maybe it's small to you, but to me it's a vast distinction in having faith for and being clear who we have faith in. The most important thing that you and I will do as the church is have faith in. Because the God of the Bible is the only one who has the power to honor the promise. It's only him. Now you may be thinking, well, why is Noah making this distinction?" And here's why. Here's why. You can have faith for a lot of things. You can have faith for a better job. And if I ask you to raise your hand if you want a better job, I'd be shocked if it wasn't most of the church. You can have faith for a better job or a nicer home. You can have faith for health. You can have faith that your children will grow up and be successful. You can have faith for a stronger marriage or more money. But all of that faith is in vain if your faith isn't in the God who has the power to honor that faith. It has to be in him. We always want to say we have faith for things. I'm going to ask you to just sort of change your way of thinking. You're having faith in God. We're having faith in God, and we're going to trust God's will and his provision for our life. Amen. So I would submit to you today that the most important thing you can do as a Christian is that you have faith in God. And having faith in God means that no matter what else does or does not happen irrespective of whatever occurs in your life, having faith in God means that you believe that he will never leave you and you will never despair because you are trusting God's character and God's provision. When you have settled it in your heart, God, I'm trusting you no matter what these eyes can see. I can promise you your life will be more fulfilled, more joyous, and you'll be well able to bear up underneath even the most difficult of trial. Because your faith isn't in good circumstance. Your faith is in God. You'll know that God will prove faithful and he always proves faithful. Abraham's faith was was in the God that he served. His faith faith was in the one who had made the promise. His faith uh, was in the larger picture of justification. Abraham understood that Messiah was on his way. Abraham knew that this Messiah was coming to justify everyone who had placed their faith in him. That's, That's really what Abraham believed. What Abraham believed was the specific individual promises for a land and for a son. He did believe that, but don't miss this. Abraham's faith was primarily in God's promise of salvation. Everything you can read in Genesis, you can start in Genesis 12 and go to Genesis 15 and you can keep reading about the covenant. Ultimately, what you will find is even though, yes, Abraham believed in a land and in a promise and in a son and in generations What Abraham was really believing was in the promise of redemption that God was offering through the Messiah that would come. When the Bible says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, really what Abraham was doing was he said, I know the deliverer comes. I know my redeemer draweth nigh and I believe in that. And if I believe in that, all of this will take care of itself. Does that make sense? And I'm preaching it this way for, for a reason. The reason is that I want to answer this question for you. Here's really where we're going today. I want to answer this for you. What are you to do? And this is for, I don't know who all needs to hear this. I don't claim to be a prophet. Uh, but I think this is for somebody. Somebody. What are you to do when you have prayed and asked God for something and you've had faith that he would grant that petition, but what you prayed for hasn't come to pass? What do you do then? What do you do when everything that you've begged and pleaded and fasted and, and, and you, you've 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 challenged yourself to believe and to not doubt and you've clung to the hem of his garment and you have been praying and sometimes you've been praying for years, maybe for decades, maybe most of your life for something. What do you do when you have not seen that come to pass? And I will implore you with this, when what you have prayed for still hasn't happened the way that you've prayed for it, here's what you do. You have faith in God. And, and when you have faith in him, then you are trusting in his way and in his provision and in his abilities. And what that will do with your psyche, with your spirit, man, is it will cause you to say this. Even though what my eyes see isn't what I petitioned for, I trust in the one that makes the promise. And I'm going to keep going with him because he's the one that promised me. And if it means i got to carry a little bit of baggage, Don, then I carry a little bit of baggage. Having faith for something is pointless if you don't have faith in someone, and that someone is God. Now, let me give you a couple of promises. I want to give you a few promises in the New Testament. We've been talking about Abram's promises. Let me give you a couple in the New Testament. Listen to this. God promised new life in Christ. God promised new life in Christ. Anybody excited about new life in Christ? 2 Corinthians 5.17, God promised new life in Christ. How about in Hebrews 13, 5, it says that God will never leave you nor forsake you. Anybody good good with that promise? Anybody today holding on to that promise? He will never leave you nor forsake you. How about Philippians 1, 6, he promised to complete the work he began in you. Philippians 4, 7, he said, God promised to replace anxiety with peace. Somebody surely would amen there, I thought. Philippians 4.7, God promised to replace anxiety with peace. How about Romans 1.16? God promised salvation to everyone who believes in Jesus. How about Matthew 6.33? God promised to supply all of our needs. I'm going to try that again. I'm going to try this one more time. I know church isn't always about being a cheerleader, but I want to make sure that, uh, I want to make sure that y'all are awake and you, you're getting this. I'm going, to, I'm going to read you some promises. And see, we're talking about having faith in God and his promise. Let me read some to you. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he promised new life in Christ. In Hebrews 13, 5, he promised to never leave you or forsake you. In Philippians 1, 6, he promised to complete the work that he has begun in you. In Philippians 4, 7, God said, I will replace your anxiety with peace. In Romans 1.16, he promised salvation to everyone who believes in Jesus. And then in Matthew 6.33, just in case, church, there's something you need today, God promised to supply all of those needs. Wow, so now let me ask you this. Can you have faith in the one who made those promises? Amen. See, we're, we're having faith for what he has promised us. So biblical faith in God means that we trust God to save us, And we trust God to care for us in this life irrespective of circumstance. We've got to develop the mindset. We've got to become a people who gets away from merely having faith as something we have when we need something from God. Sure, that's okay. I gave you a list of all the people in this church that we've prayed and believed for healings and we've seen it happen and that is right and biblical and good and we should continue to do that. We prayed for some of you this morning. Your church members prayed for you this morning. I believe God will answer that prayer. There's no point to pray if we don't, right? Right? But what we've got to do is we've got to get to this place that faith is not something we gin up when we need something from God, but rather faith becomes a lifestyle. Faith becomes something that we live every day and not just faith for something willy-nilly or pointless or just floating around the air or something that makes us feel good. We have faith as a lifestyle that God is going to honor his promise to me. And above every promise that you need to trust in is that one I read that said, he who has begun a good work in you, he will make sure that it comes to full completion. In other words, church, don't miss this. If you have submitted your heart and will in life to God, the promise is sure. And one day, one day, we will look up on the face of the one who died for us. One day. You have faith in God. Don't worry about all the other little things. You have faith in God. And you put one foot in front of the other and you say, I am determined today to believe God just like Abraham did. And then when we pray for all this other stuff, that's good. And I'm going to continue praying. I'm praying, for, I'm praying for a lot of folks right now. Every day I pray for a list of people. And I'm still believing that God's going to deliver them. And do you know why I believe that? Because it wasn't too far ago that I was praying for Scott. And there he is. I've been praying for Millie. There she is. I didn't give him the microphone today, but we've all been praying for Pete. He's still got that foot. There was a time that Pawpaw prayed for his little girl named Rusty, and here she sits. There was a stretch of time that my Lindsay couldn't get out of the house. She didn't go to school for nearly four years. She still has a lot of health issues, a lot, but there she sits. Married, teaching school. Lord help her, she's teaching school. <laughs> so, what do you do when you've prayed earnestly for something? What do you do now? You trust. What do you do when you've prayed and you didn't see it come to pass? Well, you trust. What do you do, church, today if you're afraid? What do you do? You trust God. What do you do today, church, if you're joyful? If this morning everything in your life is going great. If this morning you can't imagine things could be better. If your favorite football team won yesterday and and that for you is a big deal, guess what you do even in the middle of all of that? Well, you keep trusting God. And I got bad news for you. God don't care about football. Just in case you were wondering. I will tell you, my dad, he's funny. He says... He says, "He says, no. I pray for every football game, Lord. If you can't help us, don't help them. <laughs> because if God answered football prayers, wish you would win a whole lot more than they do. <laughs> Are you afraid? You trust. Are you joyful? You trust. Are you anxious and depressed? You trust. Church today, if you're sick, what do you do? You trust." See, faith means that we trust God with our life no matter what happens. To have faith in God means that we have faith in the person of God and in his nature and in his character. We have faith and we trust him beyond today. We trust him beyond what we can see. We trust him beyond our specific petition. We trust him because we believe that he has made us some promises and he will bring them to pass. We trust above all else his singular promise to save us and to bring us to heaven. Now, I want to look at Abraham one more time. I will to look at Abraham one more time, and I want to do it from maybe the most well known verses about Abraham and his faith. That's found in Romans 4, and I want to read 1 through 3. Romans 4, 1 through 3. What will we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found? If Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God, for what does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him for righteousness. Now, I know, church, it may seem obvious, but I want to ask you a question. Mull this question over. What specifically does this passage teach us about Abraham's faith? Abraham believed God and was credited to him as righteous. What does that teach us? Who or what did Abraham believed believe in? God? Abraham just wasn't believing in something. He was believing in God. Do you know what his name is? Is it Yahweh? Is he the I am? The alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end? The king of kings and the Lord of lords. Says of Christ that he's the rose of Sharon. The lion of the tribe of Judah. We read that he's Jehovah Jireh, our provider. The object of Abraham's faith was God. And Abraham trusted God's word. And he clung to God's promise. And I want to read you. I like how Tony Evans explains this passage. I just want to read you what he said. I love this. He says this. Abraham wasn't saved simply by believing something, but by believing God. It doesn't matter how sincere or passionate your faith is if the object is wrong. And he uses this example. Now, I loved it. Now, if you're under the age of, probably if you're under the age of 40, you're not going to remember this. But back in the 80s, and and I do want to say again, greatest decade of music ever, the 80s. Y'all get out of here with that 90s stuff. Get out of here with that. I don't want to hear it. Back in the 1980s, and if, you're, if you got a little gray in the beard, you'll remember this. There was a case in Chicago where somebody was lacing Tylenol with cyanide. Y'all remember that? And it became a national story because people were going to the store buying a brand new box of Tylenol. Somebody had been injecting the bottle with cyanide and it was killing people. And nobody had any idea what Tylenol was affected. Any of y'all remember that at all? Well, there's a handful of, a handful of old folks in here with me. Seven people died. Taking Tylenol, seven people died and they died because they believed that they were just getting pain medicine that's what they believed they believe they're getting pain medicine but their belief was insufficient their belief was insufficient because the content of the bottle could not be trusted see it's the object of our faith and not our faith that matters it's the object that matters these people had faith in the tylenol and the faith was misplaced and they died. If you have faith in the wrong thing, all that faith will do is lead you to your death. I know this is hard preaching. But the Bible is pretty clear that we can have faith in no other than God himself. And when we are talking today about faith and about Abraham's faith, what we, what we have to see in it is Abraham had faith in God irrespective of anything that his eyes saw. Listen to this, Sarah, Hebrews eleven, eleven. listen to this. By faith, even Sarah herself, when she was unable to have children, received power to conceive offspring, even though she was past the age. Now listen to this, I love this. Even though she was past the age, since she considered the one who had promised was faithful. Did you hear that? She considered the one who had promised was faithful. The faith was in the promiser hello the faith was in the promiser see sarah's faith was in the eternal faithful one and i can ask you this would sarah have received her promise if her faith was in her own ability to conceive would she have had a son no would sarah have received her promised son if her faith was in her own ability to conceive the child no why because sarah was 90 and 90 year old women don't have children Sarah judged God to be faithful, and her faith was in that God. Now, did Sarah get everything right all of the time? No, we've already talked about that. You can see the story of Hagar. Sarah blew it. But ultimately, Sarah left the responsibility of God fulfilling his promise to God himself because she judged God as worthy to be trusted. When the object of your faith is God, you will always find him faithful, always find him faithful. The Bible says that Abraham was promised so many descendants that they would be impossible to count. Let me ask you this question. Had Abraham seen that promise fulfilled when he died? No. Abraham was promised children more than he could count. Abraham was promised all of these things by God in Genesis chapter 12. But were those fulfilled when he died? No, they were not. So did that mean that God didn't keep his word? No, it did not mean that. In fact, Jesus says something astonishing about Abraham. Jesus said this. He said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. Abraham looked beyond the promise in his own world and rejoiced because he knew what was coming. I like to say it like this. And this is just Noah. I don't have, a, I don't have a, any scholars that will verify what I'm telling. You. This is just me. So you can just take this for what it's worth. I believe that God, God supernaturally allowed Abraham to see forward through the fabric of time and see that a Messiah was on his way. And Abraham chose to believe that God was going to send that Messiah to redeem him. Abraham believed that the nations of the world were going to be blessed because he had, he had seen the promise afar of off. He had seen it even though in his body and in his life, he had yet to see everything that God had promised, but he judged God faithful and he believed him. Every single man and woman in, in Hebrews chapter 11 that had extraordinary faith, every single one of them, they had faith that God would deliver them. Every Every one. But most of them had not yet fulfilled or seen that fulfillment when they died. A man named Mike Mentor, in a book called A Western Jesus, he said this. Speaking of the, the saints in the scripture. He says this. They were looking beyond the promise and seeing that God would fulfill his promise in a much greater way in the next world. Their lives were based on such promises. And that was how they met their daily challenges. So in other words... In other words, they no longer looked with these eyes, but they begin to look with the eyes of the Spirit. And they begin to trust God that he would keep his promise to them. See, faith in God means that we have faith for the fulfillment of his eternal promise. We have faith in, in what he has promised us in eternity, not just for stuff here. And and, and certainly we have faith here and certainly we see that God works in us and he's blessing us here. But the overarching message of the cross, the, the overarching message of the gospel, the overarching message of that book that you hold in your hand, here's the promise that eternal salvation will come to you when you have submitted your heart, will, and your life to him. That's the promise. Sarah in Hebrews 11:11 11, 11 says she considered the one who promised was faithful. So I have a question for you. Do you consider that God that has promised to bring you to where he is, do you believe he's faithful? Let me hear. It. Do you believe he's faithful? Yes. Amen. So What we begin to do then is we begin to trust in him and trust that he will fulfill those promises even when in this life some things that we would like to be different, maybe they don't look like we wish they would look. Is that fair? Let me read you again what God told Abraham. I will show you where you are to go. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will bless those who blessed you. I will curse those that curse you. I will bless all the people on earth through you. Listen to me, church. There are going to be seasons in your life where you cannot feel God's presence. There are going to be times, church, when you feel like your prayer goes no higher than the ceiling of the room you're praying it in. There will be days when you've believed God for a particular answer to a specific prayer and you just haven't seen it come to pass. There will be times of that. There will be. It will happen. Amen? It's okay to say it. You all know. There will be. But here's what I offer you today. In each of these seasons, in all of these times, there still remains an uncomfortable uncompromised truth and that truth is that god is and god is faithful and you trust in him above your feelings above your doubt above your frustration above your disappointment you cling to him in faith and never waver from it ever abram believed god and it was counted to him as righteousness No matter what happened, no matter that he said, you know what, you're a hundred and we're going to give you an infant that you got to get up with all night because they won't sleep. And Abraham looks at himself and he says, there's no way, there's no way I have no children. What do you mean all of the nations of the world will be blessed? And Jesus said, well, he rejoiced because he saw my day. Today, if you are a Christian, you are a fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham to bless the world. Because you and I received Christ, who was a descendant of Abraham. God's promise in Genesis 12 to Abraham is fulfilled in you. In you. You are part of the story. You believe God. Don, you believe him because you're part of the story. And I can tell you, you're going to go through some junk and it's going to be hard and you're going to want to despair and you're going to want to quit and you're going to question and you're going to, you're going to ask and you're going to seek. But the message I have for you today is don't get caught up in the here. Don't get caught up in the specific things that you don't understand. You cling to God every day of your life. You never turn away from him. You make it your lifestyle. And I can promise you, church. I promise you, your faith will be rewarded one day in heaven. Samantha, if you would come up, I want to tell you a little quick story while they're they're getting ready. I was trying to figure out how to fit this in. How many of y'all know uh, a man named Mark Lowry? Anybody in here know Mark Lowry? This is really sad. I mean, like 10 people know Mark Lowry. I will tell you this. If you're, if you're under about 50, he's probably not your style. <laughs> he sings like Southern gospel music, and he sang with the Gaithers, and, and uh, that's how I know him. But he really gained more popularity because he's a comedian. And here's some a few years ago. Apparently, he lives in a houseboat on a lake, which I should tell you right there, he's not all there. You know, he's missing... He's like an enchilada short of a combo meal. You don't, just live in, you don't just live in boats on the lake. I don't know why you'd want to do that. But he lives in this boat on this lake. Well, he said, um, oh, oh and, and I do need to add this. One of his kind of his shticks, one of his routine is that he's got ADD. And he said he's always chasing squirrels and he can't keep anything straight. He says about himself all the time, oh, I got ADD. And so he said he was woke up one night. Uh, to a horrible storm, lightning crashing, he said the boat was flailing around and and um he got up and he he pulled the curtains back. This is a true story this wasn 't a joke. He flew the curtains back and he said, I could see across the the bay I could see boats being turned over uh, literally swamp being thrown over. He said we were in a tornado he 's in a boat on a lake in a tornado, and he said it 's thrashing him all around, and stuff 's falling on the ground and then he said and then he said, and then my ADD kicked in, and I thought, wow, that's really pretty. That's really neat. And then he came back to, oh, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. And it thrashed around, and, and I said, Turn, it blew stuff over and threw boats across parking lots, and it was a really bad storm, and he, he survived it. And then he said, if I'd have known I was going to survive that storm... I would have taken more time to enjoy the view. I would have watched it. I would have seen it if I knew I was going to survive. See, I would offer you this today. In this life, you're going to survive. And how you're going to survive is faith in Him. And He will bring you to where He is. So since you know that you're going to survive, take time to rejoice here. Take time to enjoy living. Take time to love and to serve and to pray and to worship because you're going to make it. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Will you believe God today?